G'day, I'm Sean and welcome to the Car Expert Podcast. This week we're answering your questions. I've got James here to help answer them. James, you've got some A's for the Q's. I think so. And Scott's here, you've got some answers as well. I'm planning to throw everything with James. That is a really good strategy. I, that's what I was going to do, so maybe we could both do it. <laughs> this has been every day of my out. life. <laughs> <laughs> we put the call out for questions from you guys uh, across all of our social media platforms. Uh, we've got a lot of questions. We've handpicked the best ones. We've cut out all the ones that asked James to get a haircut. So, James, any response? You're welcome. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, uh, to Mr. D. Nelson on Facebook, that's your answer. <laughs> right. Okay, let's dive straight into it. There's no point beating around the bush. Uh, this first guy has two questions. Okay. So we'll do them one Greedy. at a time. Yes. Um, but, you know, he was first in. He was the very first okay. person to ask a question. So we'll give him the chance. Uh, he goes, hey, car expert, love the podcast. Love listening to it in my Pajero while driving. Yeah, Scott likes this guy already. Two questions for you. One, are there any plans to go to car meets to connect with the community more and interview the enthusiasts who put time and effort into their cars? I'll let you answer this before we go to the next one. Uh, the answer is there is definitely plans for more engagement with our readers in the community. Whether or not it's existing car meets or whether we continue doing events on our own sort of remains to be seen. Um, the website is obviously focused on new cars and new car buyers as well as these enthusiasts and that's what last year's meet and greet was all about the plans that are in the works look similar. So if you love cars and you love Car Expert, please come down and meet the team, but don't expect it to be a, a boosted or a, a sort of a cars and coffee. Expect it to be more focused on new cars because that's our bread and butter. Mm. But James is going to completely ruin that answer because you have a different <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, well, you know, some of us get involved with certain things. You know, I've, I've been around some buyer meets and things like that, not necessarily representing Car Expert, but just as myself. Um, I also am the ambassador for a charity called Drive Against Depression, which is a, a cause that's really near and dear to my heart. And it's a, a cause that a lot of our team have been a part of for quite some time. Um, we do regular drive days around Victoria and we're starting to expand into other states. So there's actually a calendar. If you go to www.driveagainstdepression.com.au, I think I got that right. Um, there's a calendar coming up where they're actually going to start doing things in New South Wales, in South Australia, in Queensland, beyond just Victoria. Um, so you can get together with people and it's all about supporting uh, mental wellness and mental health through a shared love of driving and just opening up the conversation because I know that for a lot of people, um, mental health is a, a tough thing to talk about. It's not something that you just, you know, pop a question about at the ta dinner table and things like that. And everyone gets touched by something like that at some point in their life. So it's definitely something that I'm really proud to be a part of and um, shout out to those guys for what they do. So, yeah. There you go. So there are plenty of opportunities to meet the experts at various events throughout the year. But we will, if we uh, organize any more events similar to what we did last year, we'll let you know here on the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed uh, and stay tuned. Second question uh, is, since since we are getting all the amazing details and information of new cars, can there be a segment of the show talking about and or your thoughts on some old classic sports cars like the JDM, EDM and more? I thought EDM was music. I was about to say the same yeah. thing. Okay, yeah. right. <laughs> okay, but okay, well, let's just, let's just make this one brief. Where do you guys stand in terms of your various allegiances to classic cars? I can appreciate them. I don't know if I'd buy one for myself. I don't have the patience for that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I can see you sitting on the side of the M1 with the bonnet up and the... That's the, my worst nightmare. It's because you have to golf, it's unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Scott? Um, I love classic cars. Uh, if I were to buy one, it would probably be old and European rather than old and Japanese. But one of the most fun cars I've ever driven was a, a mate's R32 GTR. 
Well, there you go. So, and you do drive an old Pajero, so you know that's, that is JDM <laughs> yes. to a degree. I suppose so. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next question. We'll move it. We'll move it right along before we become a used car podcast. Um, where do people get the batteries are only good for ten years from? Aren't there? I'm trying to read the comment here, so forgive me. Aren't there only like two electric cars that are that old? Leaf or Model S? Leaf had no thermal management and an inferior chemistry, so that only leaves the Model S's. Are there a graveyard of 10-year-old Model S's that I've missed? Where are people getting the 10-year thing from? So this relates to a conversation we had uh, recently about the disposal of electric car batteries. Yeah, it's so, a great question, actually, because yeah. it's it, it definitely combats the that myth that, you know, sort of like when you speak to mechanics and they go, like, everything from this brand or this country yeah. is bad, right? And I, I think the, the problem is not necessarily that batteries are only as good as they are for 10 years. It's actually the, the un, unknown about that, right? Because for a lot of cars, they are this new. They're not 10 years old. And given what we've seen from older stuff, there is a certain period where, you know, there's degradation and all that kind of thing and the technology is evolving so much that we can't definitively say this will be great in 10 years past the warranty period for that battery. Now most manufacturers warrant their um, high voltage batteries for between 7 and 10 years. There's a certain mileage for most of them as well. It's somewhere between 100 and 2,000 kilometres and when you think about you know some people who might use their electric vehicles for work and things like that, they might rack up more Ks than that. And that, that that's something that we just don't know yet. So it's not that they aren't good past 10 years, it's that we don't know. And I think that's perhaps something that we need to make more clear. I think as well, uh, a lot of it comes down to how you're charging your vehicle. If you look at most modern electric cars, you can cap their charge at 80%, you can cap the charge speed. If you are constantly fast charging your vehicle, you're constantly running all the way down to empty and then charging it all the way up to 100%, that eight-year figure is sort of, I suppose, probably more targeted at you because that is the highest degradation thing you can do for a battery. It's constantly being used, filled or cooled, and it's constant. Sorry, filled or emptied. Excuse me. It's constantly running at a higher temperature because it's constantly fast charging, and that obviously degrades the battery faster than someone who uses the middle sort of portion of its charge that charges plugged into a three-pin plug. So, like James said, it's more a what car makers consider reasonable wear over that period of time, rather than an assumption or an allegation that after that amount of time they're not going to be any good. And I think it's interesting because we as like a, a human species have been told with our phones especially, mm. run them right down, then recharge them. That's how you get the most yeah. battery life out of them. So it's rewiring ourselves yeah. uh, with electric cars. 20 to 80% is yeah. the range that they want you to stay in. Yeah, so look, I think the, it's a theory, the 10 years, it's probably just a benchmark there will be cases where they run for longer, but I'm sure the first Hilux that was built, they didn't think that would run until after the nuclear apocalypse, but it probably will. Yeah. So It's like everything warranty-based. It's an acceptable range based on the data the car makers have at hand. Yeah, And uh, I think people love to do the whole, in five, ten years, what's it going to be worth? Is it going to still be working? Like, you know, you hear that from people going buying a new car tomorrow. Oh, what's it going to be worth in five years' time? I don't know. It just I came could, out. If I like, could see the future, I... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I wouldn't have to be buying this car. I'd be buying a much nicer car. Exactly. So. G'day, guys. Sorry for interrupting the podcast. I know we're in the middle of a really awesome Q&A, but I've got a super exciting announcement for you. Uh, if you're watching and wondering why I'm sitting on the wrong side of a car, that's because I'm currently in America and this just came through, but I wanted to make sure that you guys knew about it straight away. Our good mates at Ampol reached out to us. They loved the competition we did before Christmas where we had you guys write in, where would you go on a road trip if you were given free fuel? Uh, they want to give away some more fuel, which, you know, great for you. So it's really simple competition. We're going to make it even easier than it was last time. All you got to do is take a photo of your car at an Ampol service station. Now, let me be very clear. Don't take a photo of your car at the Bowser. That's a big no-no. No phones at the Bowsers. But 
park it in the car park, park it on the street outside, park it across the road. You can get crazy creative. You can do some cool editing. It can be a selfie, whatever you like, but we want to see your rides. Very simple to get it to us. Head to Instagram, tag at carexpert.com.au. Make sure you use the hashtag AmpolFuelComp. And we really look forward to seeing what cars you have. We're going to be giving away $200 each week for the next three weeks. So plenty of opportunities for you to enter. You can enter more than once if you want. There's no restrictions on that. But tag us on Instagram at carexpert.com.au, hashtag AmpolFuelComp. And we look forward to seeing your rides very soon. Good luck. Yes, all right. Uh, we'll move on to some questions from LinkedIn. Dave asks, would you, we would love to know more about the Tank 500. Tank 300 is awesome, so the 500 has a lot to live up to. So Tank 500 now has pricing for Australia, 66,490 drive away for the base model, which based on the spec sheet isn't that basic, and that's for the hybrid powertrain. Do um, they call that the Lux like they do in the Tank 300? Is yeah, that... I believe it's Lux and Ultra. So, you know, if you're starting off with Lux, that's not yeah, too bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although there have been some names in history that haven't been accurate to what the car was actually like. True. Hilux is not that high luxury, I suppose. No, exactly. But based on what we know of the Tank 500, it's going to be a really interesting alternative to the existing seven-seat uh, family SUVs, be that an Everest or a Prado. Uh, beyond that, we can't say too much because we haven't actually got behind the wheel or had a proper look at one yet. But on paper, at least, the pricing is sharp and it's going to be very interesting to see beyond that. I think a lot of people uh, are, are hoping that this will come in and fight the 300 series Land Cruiser. I don't see it being quite up there, but... But I think as a, an alternative to a Prado, given what you're going to get for the money, it's definitely intriguing, and when we can get them side by side, it's going to be very interesting. All right, well, something uh, something to look forward to. Hopefully, they've solved the braking issues that 300 had when we tested them. Yeah, that was alarming footage. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, sticking with LinkedIn, James, not this James, <laughs> wants to know, uh, will there be a uh, Toyota Prado with the turbo petrol engine like what they're getting in the Lexus GX? Well, they do have the 2.4-litre turbo, I think, available globally, which is also paired with a hybrid system, depending on which market you get it in. At the moment, Toyota... Australia has only confirmed the diesel mild hybrid for us. They're looking into the hybrid. I don't know if we'll get the petrol only version of that though. There's like several different drivetrains. I, I, I don't know, people don't necessarily realise how much information we get in some of these press kits when things are revealed. And when the Prada was revealed, there's this big table of all the different engines and you know all the different um, markets that they're sold in. So I think at the moment we're, we're not sure. Um, Toyota's been fairly consistent in with the Land Cruiser and the commercial products. They've sort of moved away from the petrol stuff and stuck with the diesel. I'm not sure whether that's because there's too high a demand in other markets or whether it's just that there's not enough demand for them here. So I think for now, we're just going to focus on the, the diesel mild hybrid and, and hope for the petrol electric hybrid as well. All right, I'm just going to run through because there's a bunch of Prado questions. <laughs> yeah. So let's just punch them all out quickly now. Uh, one, uh, new updated Prado Kakadu model seven seater. When is it coming to Australia? Good question. Don't know about the lineup when it arrives in Australia, but we're expecting um, the second quarter of this year, I believe. For the Something Prado. like that. Yeah, yeah. Before, before mid year, it'll be here. Cool. And that answers the next question. 2024 Land Cruiser Prado. So <laughs> cool. Solve them. Uh, move that out of the way. Great. Uh, next one. The, the, Matt on LinkedIn just said Cybertruck. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, general follow-up from Cybertruck, though. What do you guys think now that we know a lot more about the car? We know what it's like in owner's hands, what it looks like. Have your opinions changed from launch? No. No. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Short and sweet. No, I, and I think the thing is we've seen a bunch of uh, footage come out now of it trying to do light off-roading. It's not done that well. Yeah. Um, I think the claim is 11,000 pounds of towing. I doubt that very much. That's like five tonnes. 
Well, I believe that it can do it. Whether or not the range is very usable is another question. I saw something from an owner who's averaging 200 miles, which is 320 kilometres. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, and then I watched uh, CarWow did a drag race between it and a Hummer EV. The Hummer EV weighs about seven moons. Um, and the Hummer EV had a shorter stopping distance. Oh, really? Which is really wow. terrifying. So, yeah. Um, At least it's good looking, ugly. At least it's ugly. Yes. The Cybertruck. Something like that. Look, hey. Tesla's trying things, I guess, so yep. they, they can be commended for that. It does still look like it's a drawing from seven-year-old Elon's mm, picture book. Uh, anyway, we'll move on. Uh, there's going to be a lot of Toyota questions here, folks, uh, listening and watching and playing along at home, but um, most popular car in Australia. So Toyota Camry Hybrid, wait times for the most recent model. Uh, so late last year, orders for the Camry were closed for the outgoing model. Um, that's because wait times were still out at a very long time. I don't want to give you an exact number because it varies based on colour, dealer, that sort of thing. We spoke to Toyota earlier this year and they are in the process of filling those orders. They're also offering people who are waiting the opportunity to switch over to the new model. And based on what Toyota told us, a lot of people are taking that option. I think the new model is meant to be here late this year. From yeah, it's still, so. it's still a little while away. So I yeah. guess if you if you were to put an order down for the brand new one, you're waiting at least until maybe fourth quarter, which is still, you know, eight yeah. to ten months. That's a long time to wait for a taxi, right? Like, well, that's what a lot of people are them for. Yeah. And yeah, it is yeah, a long time. A long but time. no longer than an Uber at about midnight on a Saturday <laughs> in Melbourne at the moment. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> yes. Especially around Docklands area where yeah. we work, yes. Um, okay, this is, a, this is probably a tricky one. I think this is going to mm -hmm. test you. You guys a little bit. Um, Vinny on Instagram wants to know, uh, sorry, Golf Whiskey on Instagram wants to know, what incoming new release would you wait for instead if you already had an Everest on order? If that makes sense. What, what so. would you, would you keep waiting for an Everest or is there something else you would buy instead? I think that new Prado is something that's really interesting. Um, I know that doesn't offer a, a six cylinder engine like the Everest does, but I think the, one of the biggest gaps in objective competence in the Prado was its tech, which has now been significantly improved with this new model. And I guess if, uh, if Toyota's reputation for reliability, the dealer network support and all that stuff is really important to you, I think this new version, which is bigger, better, more technologically advanced, I guess that would probably be the next best thing because Ranger was aiming square at Prado when they released it. And I guess now that Prado's had a really significant overhaul, that's probably the other benchmark. I would be waiting for that Tank 500. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to be better than an Everest, but hybrid option, very luxurious interior based on what we've seen. Currently cheaper than similar spec Everest. Oh, comfortably cheaper than similar spec Everest. So I'm actually quite curious to see how that compares. Whether or not you'd want to tow a boat around the country with the tank in the way maybe you would with the Everest, I have no idea. But it's going to be interesting to put them side by side. Mm, yes, we will definitely be doing that our first chance we get. Okay, next one. Uh, will well, This is squared, squarely aimed at you, James. <laughs> will Volkswagen sell their plug-in hybrids alongside the ID range in Australia, or do we still have poor fuel? Uh, well, that's an interesting one because Volkswagen never 100% confirmed that would be bringing plug-in hybrids here. I think the only one that it's really committed to is the new multivan which is based, so. yeah, that's the only one that they've really committed to. Uh, Clearly so, they're testing the waters though, because they've got the plug-in hybrid uh, Cupra. Well, exactly later. right. So the Cupra stuff is sort of like their, their case study, I guess. Um, I think what a lot of people don't realise is in Europe, these cars are so popular as plug-in hybrids because there's so many tax incentives and mm. things like that, that people will buy so many of them, they just can't produce enough. And so for, you know, volume model lines like Golf and Tiguan, which do really significant volume in Europe and the UK and in other markets around the world as 
well. It leaves Australia with no emission standards as sort of like a low prio market. I think last time we spoke to Volkswagen Australia, they've committed to bringing in the Touareg R, which comes like literally in the next couple of months. Then from there, I think the Golf GTE is a, a possibility for the facelifted range, which comes either at the very late stages of this year or early next. Yep. Um, and the Tiguan, unfortunately, has been ruled out for now, but that could change, you know, now that since that initial announcement, there's been the changes to emissions laws coming in at the end of the decade, um, updates to fuel quality standards and all that kind of thing. We may see stuff like that change, especially if production slots open up at the factory overseas. So it's still in the pipeline. <laughs> Random automotive underscore photographer on Instagram. Instagram? Uh, yeah, Instagram, yeah. Um, I would think really hard about whether you want to plug in hybrid anyway. Uh, we've talked about this on the pod before. If you're spending a lot of time in the city and you can charge the car at home, I would be looking at an electric car. If you're spending a lot of time on the highway, you need the petrol engine. Volkswagen makes some really efficient petrol engines. So uh, if you're not going to get a V-Dub plug-in hybrid, I mean, for one, look at the Cupra stuff, but really think hard about whether you need that because you can save some money up front and then not spend that much more on fuel or spend more on an electric car and spend nothing on fuel and kind of get the same benefits depending on how you're driving. All right, well, hopefully that answers that for you. Uh, Timbo to you, I wanted to say that because that's a fun name. <laughs> uh, Timbo to you wants to know Lexus GX release date and price including on-roads. Now, Timbo, we can't give you on-road pricing because that varies state to state. Uh, but and we don't have pricing. We don't have pricing. So, but uh, just for your reference, Timbo, we never list on-road pricing unless it's a drive-away deal offer purely because it's very complicated state to state. But GX uh, release date and price. No price. No price. No price date right now. First half of 2020. Yeah, I think it's it's in only a few months away. Paul's actually in America right now at the time of filming, driving it, and I think the pricing and range details will be released in the coming week or so as a result of that launch. So stay tuned. We'll have a link to the site as soon as it goes live. Um, and yeah, with the pricing, who knows? We really don't know. Uh, okay, I'm not going to try and say this next name, but what are the wait times for the 2024 Rav4 Edge? Yeah, Toyota has worked hard to get these RAV4 wait times down and it's said that by sort of the end of the first quarter of this year or coming into the middle of this year, it wants to have people waiting no longer than six months for a RAV4 uh, hybrid, the most popular models. If it can deliver on that, that would be a significant improvement because there was a point where people were waiting up to 18 months. I heard four years from some people from some dealers, like the numbers that are wild. It's just in, that's a yeah. full model cycle. Yes. Um, as always, it depends on your dealership, the colour you want, whether you want hybrid or petrol, that sort of thing. But at the moment, Toyota's goal is to get it down to the point where it's an, about a six-month wait for the most popular versions. Okay, that's fairly reasonable because if you if you order a couch, um, custom-made couch, you can wait three to four or five months for that anyway. So if you're waiting that long for your custom-ordered car, I think that's not too bad. Okay, uh, next one. When will the new Hyundai Tucson be available? Is it a 24 or 25 facelift? Yes, so there is a midlife update for the new, uh, for the Hyundai Tucson, which is coming here mid-year, was what they told us, and that will also debut the hybrid drivetrain for Australia. We don't really know anything about what the pricing will be like, whether there'll be multiple variants. Um, I think Hyundai, as opposed to Kia, has been able to secure a better supply of its electrified cars, and not just being able to offer them at sharper pricing, but also having multiple variants, um, as we've seen with Santa Fe and, and some of their other cars like Kona. So I think it will be really interesting to see what Hyundai does there, because looking at Tucson and how much volume it does without an electrified variant in Australia, um, it may try and cash in on Toyota's supply issues, even though they're getting better, um, that you know people have more choice. And I think that's really important. So yeah, about June. 
And there's currently a Sportage hybrid uh, available, is there? Also coming... Like, literally, as we speak, the cars are starting to arrive and we'll have pricing and specs in the coming weeks. Okay, so that'll be a good test of what that Santa Fe hybrid may be like. Uh, Tucson hybrid. Tucson, uh, Tucson hybrid, sorry. Santa Fe's the next question. My apologies. <laughs> yes, that'll be, good, that'll be a good test of what we can expect from that. So, looking forward to driving that. Uh, so, in that case, when will the new Santa Fe be released? Uh, Q2 this year. Okay. So, we've driven the car in Korea. We've got a review live on the website already. Um, but we're expecting, yeah, Q2, whether that means April or June, we don't know yet. Okay, well, hopefully it's soon because we would love to get behind the wheel of it and have a drive and tell you guys what we think. Uh, any spy news on next-gen Navara or Hilux? <laughs> uh, next-gen Navara, we expect to be a version of the new Triton that is being launched very soon. James is heading to South Australia to drive it in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's like two weeks away or yeah. something like that. Very yeah. exciting. Um, yeah. That's because of the Renault Nissan Mitsubishi Alliance and the way they operate. Each sort of group gets an area to lead and Mitsubishi's leadership is in that ute, rugged sort of space. We don't know much beyond that. And we've heard conflicting things from Nissan reports from Mitsubishi Australia. So I think it's a watch and wait. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a heavily reskinned version of the Triton with some Nissan sort of tech in it, I suppose, to separate them, because that alliance tends not to do full rebadges, save for the ASX in Europe. It tends to like the idea of shared bones and tech, but then unique identities on top, like an X-Trail and an Outlander. And I would imagine that, that this is subject to much conjecture, um, that Mitsubishi is saying, no, Nissan, you can't show it off until our Triton's available. I would absolutely believe that, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, Hilux, any words on that? Uh, mild hybrid Hilux is rolling out very shortly. I'm looking at James for help here because I can't remember exactly Hilux when. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, it's in the at the moment. I think they're going to slowly start rolling out over the next few months. But in terms of what a next generation Hilux looks like, I think we're still some time away. Could be another 10, 20, 30 years <laughs> yeah. based on Toyota's history. So we'll see what happens. Um, any more? De Ian Macker asks any more deets for the 2025 Rav4? No, I'm sorry. Um, at the moment, Toyota, in Australia at least, has been so focused on filling demand of the previous one, there's not really been talk of a new one. Uh, I know that we're coming up on, what, six or seven years for the current model? Something like that. I think so also, just for market discrepancies, if, Ian, you're coming from the US, I think 2025 may come in, like, tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Whereas yes. in Australia, we tend to, Toyota tends to keep model years as the year that they are right through to the end of the year. But I think, you know, if there's any changes, there might be just some very mild spec updates or some new colour options as they've sort of done over the car's life so far. Um, for what a new generation model looks like, I don't think we really know what... We don't know. We don't even stage. think we've seen prototypes of that yet. Toyota's pretty good at hiding that stuff. It's rare that we see Toyota stuff spied because they've got Toyota Village or Toyota Town or Toyota Nation or whatever it is in, in Japan. Um, but even here, they tested the 300 series extensively. Yeah. Nobody knew. Yeah. Because they drove it around, it looked like a 200 series to most people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're very clever at that. Yes. Um, but given most automotive life cycles are eight years, um, the RAV4 will be approaching the point of a new model, but we're not there yet. Okay. All right, next one, sticking with Toyota a little bit longer. Uh, wait times on the Corolla Cross. I expected to see tons of them, but I don't. Uh, I've heard varying reports. I've got a mate who waited so long for his, he bought a BYD at 03 instead. Um, Interesting cross-shopping exercise there. Well, it's a Corolla Cross-shopping. <laughs> yes. Um, I, don't, I can't give you a definitive answer across the whole range, but again, it, it kind of varies from dealer to dealer and model to model. Um, and, and the best thing you can do is chat to your dealership because they may have one that someone's cancelled an order on it's available tomorrow. Again, across the board, Toyota is expecting supply to improve and, and 
Hopefully that's the case with Corolla Cross. Well, Pinto James 8 on Instagram, if you do want to know, there's a very easy way to find out. Head to Google and type in Help Me Car Expert. <laughs> we can connect you with a wide range of dealers right across the country. We've also got some consultants based in Brisbane that can help you find that Corolla Cross you might be looking for, because I'm sure there's some sitting in a dealer somewhere. So check out Help Me Car Expert on Google. And uh, if you do use it, Pinto James 8, let us know how it was, because um, we'd like to know how long it took you to get behind the wheel of the Corolla Cross you clearly desire very much. All right, uh, sticking with Toyota just a little bit longer. <laughs> Two more Toyota, three more Toyota I, questions. I promise there's only about another half hour of Toyota content to get to. Uh, is the Land Cruiser worth the wait? Which price bracket is expected to fit in? Now, I don't know what Land Cruiser, Aussie underscore, I'm assuming no the underscore Prado. Is talking about, but yeah, I think Prado. Yeah. Um, worth the wait? James thinks so. I think it'll be worth waiting to see once they start hitting the ground what they, how they perform. Um, once we know what that mild hybrid uh, diesel engine is like across Hilux and Prado, I think that'll be a really telling sign as to whether we still recommend people go to V6 alternatives or something like that. But, um, you know, it's a pretty big vehicle for them. And, you know, Prado was the most popular large SUV last year. How could you not wait for something that's the sales favourite or, you know, widely considered a benchmark? So, Price bracket-wise, the current model sits just sort of towards the top end of ute-based SUVs. It, it's sort of somewhere between, at the bottom end, call it an MUX, and the top end, around the top end, Ford Ranger or just above. Toyota's new cars haven't obviously been cheaper than their old ones, but it is pretty good at hitting around the same sort of mark. With that said, the new Land Cruiser 300 was significantly more expensive than the 200, which means I have no idea. <laughs> Your, your guess is as good as ours. I would, I would probably expect a uh, base model to be anywhere between 60 and 70, and then the high spec ones to be around 100, because I think the current Kakadu is nudging 90. It's up there by the time you get your own Yeah, exactly right. Car tax and yeah, all that. so yeah. I, I would imagine somewhere between 70 and 100 is a pretty good ballpark, depending on um, the trim that you get. And I think with what we've seen what with Toyota doing with their new products, is they're very well specified, even from the base level. So it means that now, you know, you look at what a Prado GX looks like at the moment, you get absolutely nothing in it, whereas this new one you might actually be able to get a, a good a good level of spec in a base one if you don't want to spend up to you know six figures for a Kakadu or whatever the new flagship will be called. And Aussie underscore under, uh, no underscore worries, my recommendation is become a primary producer, you can get the top spec one for a very good deal. <laughs> that is the trick. Okay, uh, last two questions, uh, last, sorry there's three questions left so we're nearly there. Uh, Skoda Enyaq, how much and when? James I think this is the one that you're across. Yeah, uh, they haven't actually, Skoda hasn't actually released full pricing yet, I think what they've told us is that the base one, which is actually a very high-spec non-performance one, should be around the same price or just higher than a Kodiak RS, which currently goes for about $74,990 drive away. So I'd probably say, yeah, say $79,990 for the, the non-RS one, and then the RS one will probably be in the 80s. But I don't think that car gets here until about the third quarter, early in the third quarter, so July, August, give or take, and pricing will probably be released a little bit before then so people can start ordering. Similar story for the Volkswagen ID4 and ID5. Just to be clear, for those who are not uh, watching and can't see the images we put on screen, what is a Skoda Enyaq? So... <laughs> it sounds like a musician. It does sound like a musician. Yeah. It? Um, it's basically Skoda's version of the 
Volkswagen ID4 and ID5, which is like a mid-size electric SUV that's sort of, in terms of size, and I've seen them in person, they're sort of somewhere between a Karok and a Kodiak in terms of size. So I think, Volkswagen Tiguan size. Yeah, sort of Tiguan size, but the Enyaq's, I think, a little bit bigger than an ID4. It's like, you know, typical Skoda where it's sort of half a segment up. Uh, Toyota BZ4X, how much and when? And I guess we can roll in the Subaru Solterra as well, yeah. essentially the same car. So the when, uh, we are driving both of them at separate events in separate states on February 27 and 28. Okay, my so birthday. a month away, yeah. Um, how much the Subaru Solterra is 65 grand before on-road costs? No, it's more. 75 grand before Yeah, 75 costs, for, for the base one, yeah. And then I think it's pretty much 80 for the top spec. I think what Toyota might do differently is because Subaru does the all-wheel drive thing, Toyota might bring in a cheaper single-motor version, which may come in um, lower than that base Solterra. But it really depends on how much supply they can get because they've basically warned us it's going to be expensive. So... I'm also looking to BRZ and 86 for guidance on this. Um, historically... The first gen 86 Toyota launched cheaper than the Subaru. Subaru only did the premium option. This time around, the pricing is like equivalent or better for the manual 86, but then more expensive if you buy an auto 86 than the equivalent BRZ. All of which goes to say that I don't know that Toyota wants to be seen as the cheap version, and I don't know that it will be cheaper than the Solterra, even if the spec is very similar. Okay, well. We'll uh, wait and see as soon as we know. We'll, we'll, we will be talking about it on the podcast, no doubt. Uh, okay, we did have one last question to run through. All the new cars coming out in 2024. Yes, I'm That's a lot it. of cars, so we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is just go through all of the confirmed Q1 releases. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll pass to James. You can start the list. Maybe take us through about a third of it. Okay, so we've got the Abarth 500e, which I'm actually really excited yeah. to drive. We I saw one in um, bright blue on the road recently. It looks awesome. Yeah. Um, the updated Alfa Romeo Stelvio and Giulia Quadrifoglios. Okay. So the performance I'm ones. so happy to hear that they still exist. Yeah. That makes me <laughs> yeah. very happy. Getting quick. Um, uh, Aston Martin DB12 Volante, if you want an open top version of that $400,000 supercar. Yeah. Uh, BMW X2 and iX2, uh, which is basically the coupe version of the X1 and iX1. And I think for the iX1, they're bringing in that new entry-level version that's a single-motor um, E-Drive 20. Mm -hmm. I think I've got that right. Yep. Um, the new Ford Mustang is meant to be arriving within the first quarter as well, which is really exciting. Uh, the GWM Shanghai Cannon. That's So that's a bigger version of the, ca the current yeah, Cannon? We I recently believe. reported on this, last week reported on this. Um, it was meant to be based on what we'd previously known here, Q1 this year. Uh, based on trademark filings, we, we think it might be called the Canon Alpha. Um, and at this stage, looking more like late Q2, Q3, if they do bring it to Australia, because it's still not officially confirmed. Are they renaming the current Canon to the Canon Beta? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think they are, no. And the Shanghai Canon, if I'm correct, is the ute version of the Tank 500. Uh, they share quite a lot based on what we know out of China, yeah. Um, but it size-wise, like, measures up halfway between a Ranger and an F-150 almost. Oh, so it is cool. quite a unique thing. Yeah, it's got that fun, funky split tailgate that's slightly offset, right? Yeah, the yeah. one that we spied last week um, has the... It's like a... Ford or Toyota, or they all do it now, but you can open the tailgate like a barn door or it's powered and folds down. Yeah, well. I, I think that is brilliant, personally. As a, as a long-term Ute owner, I think that is fantastic. Because, I mean, you can reach the things in your tray. Not that you have that problem, Scott. I, I'm fine on that one, but yes. <laughs> all right, uh, you can go through a couple more if you feel like, James. Yeah, no worries. Um, well, the GWM Tank 500 is also confirmed for a Q1 launch. Um, the new Hyundai i30 sedan range, which includes the hybrid and the facelifted N. 
Um, actually, no, the, the petrol ones are already here. It's the N and the hybrid that are launching yep. soon, and Jack will be doing the launch for that, so look, um, look out for his review soon. Uh, the Hyundai Ioniq 5N, which I will be driving at the end of next month. Uh, the Ineos Grenadier Quartermaster, which is the ute version the of that. The Quartermaster. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, <Q. they're, laughs> which is basically what a modern interpretation of the new Defender, uh, the Defender ute that was once upon a time sold here. Yeah, I can't wait for that thing. It looks fantastic. Are you going to buy one? Oh, man, if I if this podcast blows up, then yes, I absolutely will. So subscribe, please, so I can buy. Because inside, it's like being in the cockpit of an airplane, like a just a, like a, a much lower jet. altitude. Yeah, much lower altitude. But you know, with the switches and everything. I mean, you've driven the the Grenadier. Yes, like, oh. and it's meant to be pretty much the same from the B pillar forward. So I imagine it'll be a very similar experience. Very cool. All right, Scott, you want to take us through the next batch we got here? I do. Uh, starting with the JAC T9 Ute. So that's not the Jack Ute. It's the JAC, you don't call it a jack? No, uh, we're not going to call it a jack, I don't think, unless they tell us they want to be called that, in which case we will, but I don't know. Um, another Chinese brand looking to launch in Australia with what looks like quite a tough ute we're expecting to be competitively priced. Uh, the Jaguar F-Type ZP edition, that's going to be the end of the F-Type as we know it, the end of Jaguar as we know it, before they rebrand as a more upmarket electric brand. So, I think we need to hold a memorial when the F-Type does go. Oh, definitely. that is a very a sad day. Beautiful and beautiful sounding car. Uh, updated Kia Sportage, expected to arrive Q1, including the hybrid we were talking about earlier. Um, the Kia Carnival update, also expected Q1. Do you know if the hybrid will be here in the first quarter? Uh, I don't know timing on hybrid, but I know that they did confirm hybrid with us. And just to circle back to the Sportage, it's just the hybrid launching. There's the facelift. They haven't been able to confirm if and when we're going to see that this gotcha. year. Um, Land Rover Discovery Sport, Range Rover Sport SV Edition 1. Uh, that Range Rover Sport is a very expensive SUV, but it's one with Australian-made carbon wheels and a BMW V8 engine. I think it's going to be pretty special. Uh, <laughs> you don't sound that excited? Oh, no, that's going to, be, that's going to sound fantastic. Yeah. Um, LDV E-Deliver 7, which was actually priced as we were putting this podcast together and is under $60,000 for an electric van with a 300-kilometre range. Funnily enough, I'm less excited about that than the Range Rover. Well, if I'm I mean, honest. <laughs> each to their own. Yes. Um, Mazda MX-5 update and then the Merc C63S. I'm off to drive that this week, so stay tuned for a review of that. Yes, Scott Plug will come hybrid. back and his face will be pinned back on. Yes, exactly. But to be clear, that is not a V8 anymore. Four-cylinder plug-in hybrid. So I have no doubt we'll have some thoughts on it, but we can't actually talk about them yet because we haven't driven the car. Yes, yes. Um, also coming from Mercedes, the CLE Coupe, which which is a C-Class and an E-Class Coupe combined, funnily enough, based on that name, and the new E-Class sedan, which looks quite posh. New Mini Countryman CNS, the new Mitsubishi Triton, the Nissan Qashqai E-Power Hybrid, which has been a long time coming. Uh, while we're talking affordable, sensible, city-sized hybrid SUVs, the Porsche Cayenne Turbo and Cayenne SE Hybrid. What, um, what engines those hybrid, those Porsche hybrids have? Yeah, similar to the Qashqai, economical big V8s. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, for, the, for the buyer on a budget. Yes, um, it's really good for charging a hybrid battery. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also coming the new Porsche Panamera, the Renault Megane E-Tech electric, just so I say the name fully, the Kangoo E-Tech from Renault as well, the, the Subaru BZ4X, the Volvo EX30, and then while we're talking Toyota and Subaru tie-ups, a Subaru BRZ TS, and a manual with safety features in it, including adaptive cruise, autonomous emergency braking. All right, there you go. That's everything confirmed as of 
today uh, that's coming in Q1 2024. I'm kind of breathless just reading that list. We're going to be busy. I, like, I, honestly, that, I printed off the full list of cars come, that we had know are coming in 2024, and it was eight pages long. And I went, nope, let's just do Q1 because <laughs> there's not enough time. So uh, there's a lot of cars coming in 2024, guys. Get excited. We're going to talk about a lot of them as they arrive. Um, if you do want to see a full list, well, I'll put a link in the description for everything we know that's coming in 2024, and it is a lot. Uh, it's been very thoughtfully put together uh, by Jack sitting over there and Will in Brisbane, and they spent a lot of time on that. So uh, worth a read and, and give them a like and a comment to say thanks for that big effort they put in doing that. Uh, guys, that pretty much wraps up our Q&A this week. I uh, know, that was a lot of Qs. We had a lot of As. Um, <laughs> Mostly positive ones, which is good. Uh, James will work on getting him that haircut for uh, our friend on Facebook. <laughs> you won't recognise him next time. Yes. <laughs> uh, guys, any final thoughts before we wrap up this week? Um, I'm curious to know if the people who wrote one-word questions think we're Google. Maybe. Tesla Cybertruck. Yes. We didn't write, even write Tesla. It was just Cybertruck, but it's two words. So, okay. you know, so, yeah, no one-word no one <laughs> question, just two words. <laughs> any from you, James, any final thoughts? Uh, it's always great to engage with our audience. I think as much as we joke about people asking very vague questions, I think it's really important that we have this, this opportunity to answer any questions and things like that. I know some people message me privately on social media about similar things. So, you know, you can always send us a, a, an email or questions online and we will try to get back to you as soon as possible. And with a lot of these launches, these things change all the time. If there's anything that we've learned over the last couple of years. So make sure you keep those questions coming. We're always happy to help. And, you know, hopefully we can help you find your next car. Yeah, if you do have questions, feel free to either comment on the YouTube video or email us podcast at carexpert.com.au or you can message us through, I think we're on all the social media platforms. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, so yeah, feel free to send us a message anytime and ask a question and we're happy to read it out in the podcast if you want to know the answer. Uh, that, yeah, that's it for this week, guys. Um, I'm not going to see you guys next week. No, you're going to be in the States. I'm going to be in the States with Paul and we're going to do one from the States. Uh, could be interesting. Could not, but he will talk about the Lexus GX in a bit more detail for you. So stay tuned for that. As always, thank you for watching. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks and I'll see all of you next week. Have a good one.